Paranormal Investigations Hawaii. From the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator. Season 1, Episode 3, The Haunting at the Moani Hotel, Part 2. Aloha. Welcome back to part two of The Haunting at the Moani Hotel. If you remember from last week, we had to stop recording because my laptop battery died and I could not find my charger anywhere. I don't know what the hell happened to that thing. So I had to run down to Best Buy and buy a new charger. And you know what? It cost me $50 for our charger. Oh, that's like equivalent of 20 spam musubi. So you better appreciate the effort. Anyway, here's a summary of where we left off last week in case you smoke a little too much pakalolo and you need a refresher. I was hired by a woman named Hilary Wu who was the assistant manager at the Moani Hotel to investigate an incident in one of the rooms. A guest named William Satterley who turned out to be a cult leader of some sort. He performed some type of bloody ritual sacrifice in the room but his body was never found. I went down to investigate and with the help of the hotel clerk, Kiyoki, he pointed me to the room where I found a not quite dead but certainly quite possessed William Satterley who then tried to kill me. But good thing, I had years of Kung Fu training. Well, not quite training but I spent a lot of years watching Kung Fu movies so I was able to disable him and tie him up. And just as I was about to ask him who he really was, There was a knock on the door. It was Kiyoki. He looked nervous and a little scared. I cracked open the door and peeked my head out. Hey, what's up, Kiyoki? I'm almost done here. Just need another hour or two. Um, Sorry, Mr. Wong. Um, Whatever you're doing in there is none of my business, but we received several noise complaints from guests on this floor. They called the front desk, complaining about loud banging, smoke, and flashes of light coming from room 217. I tried to keep it contained, but the other clerks weren't so agreeable. They called the hotel security, who are on their way here as we speak. I thought I'd give you the heads up in case you want to leave. Shh. I didn't want to involve any more people in this case until I knew who or what I was dealing with. It would attract too much attention and also put others in danger. Sadly made a groaning sound which made Kyoki look behind me and into the room. Hey, do you have someone in there? I was only supposed to let you look around the room for a short time. I could get in trouble for this. Kyoki started to say, when I opened the door quickly, pulled him in and shut the door behind him. Kiyoki saw Satterley tied to the chair, dripping with foam all over him along with the rest of the floor around him. He stared at Satterley with his mouth open, then looked at me like a deer in headlights. What the heck happened here? Who's that? Listen, what you do behind closed doors is none of my business. I mean, I got nothing against, uh, you know, alternative lifestyles. In fact, 
My favorite uncle liked to dress up as Madonna sometimes, but Yuki continued until I shut him up by putting my index finger to my mouth. If you just listen to me for a sec, it's not like that. Well, whatever you guys did to hear, he doesn't look very good. Why does he have a hole in his neck? Should I call the hotel doctor? Okay, Yoki, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret now, okay? Just between the two, uh, three of us, my friend here got a little wasted, so I had to turn the fire holes on him and tie him up so he wouldn't hurt himself. He used to be a smoker and got throat cancer, so he had his larynx removed. That's why there's a hole in there. I'm gonna need your help to get him out of here before hotel security arrives. He's wanted on outstanding warrants, so we need to keep him away from the authorities. You look like a good guy, Kyoki. You wouldn't want Billy here to spend the night in jail away from his uh, pregnant wife and kids and dog now, would you? Kyoki shook his head. All right, is there somewhere in the hotel we can hang out for like an hour or two until Billy wakes up? Well, we're renovating one of the banquet rooms, so no one is supposed to be in there. It should be empty until morning. Awesome. I'm going to need some help finding it and also getting Billy there. You good with giving me a hand? I suppose that would be okay. I'm on snack break for another 10 minutes, but after seeing your friend, I've lost my appetite. Let's get it over with. Thanks, buddy. You a good kid, Gyoki. Better not let my bad influence rub off on you. You don't want to become a jaded old man like me. You're not that old. I've got socks older than you, but... You're smellier. Ha ha, mahalo kid. I pulled out one of the complimentary robes from the closet and draped it over Sarali, making sure to cover his head and neck. I made sure he was still knocked out before I cut the zip ties that secured him to the chair. For good measure, I took the sunglasses out of my pocket and put it on him. Now he looked just like a drunk douchebag instead of an undead douchebag. Give me a hand, will ya? I told Kyoki. Put Billy's right arm over your shoulder and I'll put his left over mine. Yeah, just like that. Now, help me lift him up. We're gonna pull a weekend at Bernie's to get him out of here. What's a weekend at Bernie's? Oh no, don't tell me you never seen the classic weekend at Bernie's. He's just the funniest movie ever. See, there's this dead guy. Uh, um, never mind. Just trust me. You gotta see it. Roger that. I guess I'll add it to my Netflix queue. We lifted Sadly's body up. Now I know why they call it dead weight. Kyoki struggled to get his balance and almost fell over with Sadly following on top of him. I took all of Sadly's weight on my shoulder until Kyoki recovered his balance, which made my sore back scream. We finally managed to get Sadly's weight evenly distributed between us. We half carried, half dragged him out the hotel room door. I made sure the robe covered most of Sadali's head as we carried him to the elevator. Kyoki pressed the button and we waited what seemed like eons for the elevator to arrive. The elevator door finally opened and two older women were already inside. We carried Sadali into the elevator and tried to be as inconspicuous as we could. 
Kiyoki pressed the button for the lobby. As the elevator descended, Kiyoki leaned on the elevator wall to get some relief from Satterley's weight. In doing so, Satterley's arm slipped off Kiyoki's shoulder and Satterley's head fell back and hit the elevator wall with a loud bonk sound. The robe slid off his head, which fell backwards like a giant pear's dispenser. I quickly grabbed the robe and threw it back over Satterley's head. Kiyoki stared at Satterley, then at me for a quick second before grabbing Satterley's arm again. The two ladies stared at Satterley, then at us, with their mouths open. Uh, she had too much to drink and fell down a flight of stairs. It looks much worse than it is. We're on our way to get some salve for him. That'll fix him right up, I told them with a smile. They nodded, but backed away to their corner of the elevator and continued to look at us with suspicion. The elevator reached the lobby and the ladies got out quickly while still staring at us. We lifted Satterley and followed them out. The banquet rooms were on the other side of the lobby. It was about 10 p.m. now and the lobby was almost empty as we turned and headed towards the rooms. I think there's something about Billy you're not telling me, Mr. Wong, Kyoki said as we entered the empty banquet room. I looked at Kyoki. What do you mean? Uh, he's not just drunk, right? I've seen that look before. He's on meth, isn't he? Wow, you got me, Kyoki. I didn't feel it was my place to out him, but yep, you're right. Billy's a meth head. I knew it. I knew it when I first saw that hole in his neck. I saw that on the uh, Facebook, that meme with the uh, faces of meth. It's okay. His secret is safe with me. I breathed a sigh of relief at not having to explain portals, interdimensional demons, and ritual suicide to Kyoki. Kyoki led us to the banquet room that was under renovation. We ignored the do not enter signs from the construction. It was one of the smaller rooms which held around 50 people. Kyoki turned on the light. Scaffolding, paint, tools, and various pieces of equipment and lumber were strewn about the room. Chairs and tables occupied one side of the room, which left a large workspace in the middle. Hey, Kyoki, go grab some chairs for us to sit. I held on to Satterley while Kyoki brought back three chairs for us. We put Satterley on one chair and we sat on the other chairs. Kyoki gave a sigh of relief as he took his seat. Mahalo for help, brah. We'll just hang low here for a little while until the coast is clear. A friend of mine is stopping by to give me some assistance. Can you send her to the banquet room when she gets here? Her name is Bev Kamara. I'm going to let her know we're in here, but just in case she doesn't check her messages, you know how we've been uh. No worries. I got your back, Mr. Wong. I'll just go back to the front desk and pretend none of this ever happened. Kyoki said with a wink as he got up and left the room. Just ask for me at the front desk if you need anything. I gave Kyoki a wry smile as he left. I brushed sweat off my forehead. It was apparent this case affected me. Dead people who come back alive speaking in tongues will do that sometimes. I sent Bev a text message to let her know we relocated to the banquet room. I checked the restraints on Satterley to make sure they were secure. 
then pulled the robe off Satterley's head carefully. He looked different. There was more color in his face. His eyes were brighter and he looked at me as if he were on death row and I was his last meal. And the wound on his neck was now a scar. It no longer hung open. What the hell was going on here? Sadly saw the shock expression on my face and smiled at me. He spoke something vaguely foreign again. Hang on to that thought, Billy. I got a friend who wants to talk to you. I replied back. The banquet door opened suddenly. I jumped at the sound and turned around, expecting to see Bev, but it wasn't her. Hillary? I was expecting a friend of mine. What are you doing here? I asked as Hillary Wu entered the banquet room. Mr. Wong, uh, Harry. The front desk staff called me about a commotion in room 217, and I was worried something went wrong. Is everything okay? What happened? Who's that you got there? Well, there was a little hiccup. I was getting a look at the room, and uh, this guy showed up. Meet William Satterley. Hillary came over to get a better look. Satterley's eyes followed her all the way from the door. He stared at her with an expression I couldn't understand at first. It seemed to be recognition, anticipation. My P.I. Spidey sense went on high alert. Something didn't add up here. Well, Harry, this is a surprise. Based on your reputation and past cases, you should be dead. Now, maybe you'll join us willingly when you understand what we're trying to build. Um, am I going to still get paid, right? What the hell are you talking about, anyways? Sadly, then started shouting in his foreign language again. We both stared at him. I moved back to keep my distance, but Hillary stayed where she was. She stared intently at Sadly, and there was an unexpected gleam in her eyes, which I couldn't understand. Sadly then became more and more animated and started shouting at the top of his lungs while he fought against his restraints. He started to convulse as if he were having an epileptic fit. I was afraid someone outside would hear him and come to investigate. After one minute, he stopped shaking and sat up straight, then slumped in his chair and opened his eyes. His facial expression became more normal, if that was possible. He wasn't as wide-eyed, his sneer was gone. He looked weak, as if he was sick. Then he spoke in a different tone of voice, and in English. Help me. This was not what I bargained for. It took him great effort to talk. He could barely speak above a whisper. His ashen skin became pale. What happened to you? Are you William Satterley? I approached closer, but with caution. What happened to the weird language? Yes, it's me. I, I, I made a deal with the devil and I lost. Ask, ask her. He replied weakly and nodded towards Hillary. I looked at Hillary as if for the first time. She smiled defiantly 
with an air of arrogance as she approached Sadly. It looks like you failed. I should have been the one all along. What the F and F? Do you catfish me? As I back toward the door, I'm prepared to fight or escape. Stay where you are, Harry. I'm not done with you yet. We still have need of your services. She raised her hand and flipped it in a gesture. I heard the locks to the door engage as she used some sort of magic to lock the banquet room doors. Who or what are you? It's not what you or I thought it would be. It means to use us, destroy us, destroy everything. What are you talking about? I asked him. Fool! You were supposed to lead us into a new age, but you're no better than the rest of the sheep who know how to follow, but not how to lead. I started to put two and two together, and it added up to 45, meaning I was still clueless. But the more I thought about it, one idea kept sticking out from the rest. The Ouroboros was a symbol of transformation and transmigration, and Sadly's mind and body was both transformed and transmigrated between worlds or realms via the portal. After that, everything fell into place for me. Sadly's suicide was a ritual to bring another entity into our realm via his body. I read about cases of necromancy or death magic before, Some of the most powerful types of magical psychic energy can be manifested using necromancy. A violent death created powerful energies that can be redirected to affect and shape reality. And from the talk between these former besties, it sounded like this being didn't come here for the weather or the food. Unless the food was us. I needed to stall to get more information, to figure out how to save the world from this thing, and more importantly, how to save my big fat Okole. Hey, come on now. I'm sure you guys were besties once, right? I hate seeing love triangles tear couples apart. Come over, let's hug it out, okay? I waved my arms to gesture for Hillary and Sadly to get closer together, and I hugged myself to express that they should hug each other too. This was a plan I used successfully in the past to enrage my opponent and get them to let down their guard. The tactic didn't disappoint this time either. You dumbass! You're just the tool we need, and when you've served your purpose, you'll be dealt with accordingly. Now sit down and behave, and maybe you'll get less painful death than you deserve. She gestured again with her hands. I felt powerless as a force pushed me toward the chair next to Sadly and sat me down as if I were a child. I was about to glare and scream at her, but I thought better of it. If there was anything I learned from my ancient Chinese ancestors, is that a hidden weapon is a lethal weapon. Or did I learn that from Mel Gibson? I can't remember. Anyways, I kept quiet while this played out, looking for a witness Something I could exploit. Okay, you've wasted enough time. William, allow Mayhem to return and let's finish this. 
We don't understand. It means to take over the world and enslave us. I've seen what it can do. This is not the future we planned. Hillary stood over sadly. What happened to you? You were our leader. You were going to lead us into the new world under the serpent god. We could have ruled together side by side. Why would you lie to me as everyone has for my whole life? You were the only one I believed in. Everyone else in my life used me to get what they wanted and threw me away when they were done with me. My foster parents, my teachers, the whole system. I swore I would never allow anyone to use and discard me again, including you. If you won't give me what I want, then I'll take it myself. Hillary pulled out a knife from her purse and slit Sally's throat just like that. I jumped out of the chair and fell to the ground in case she decided to use it on me, but her attention was completely occupied by Sadly. His head fell back and his throat fell open again like it did before, but there was no blood left in him. Instead, Sadly made a gurgling sound and a pure black light shone within the cut. The light extended out to an area in the middle of the banquet room and formed a large ten-foot diameter circle. Sadly spoke again in the foreign language. He repeated the same words over and over. Hillary also repeated the same words in what must have been an incantation as the black portal grew bigger and brighter. Hillary then turned to me as she continued repeating the magic words. She held out her right hand towards Sadly, and a portion of the black light flowed from Sadly to her. It surrounded her body and made her glow black. She then held out her left hand toward me. Black light was redirected from her to me. I got up and ran towards the door, but before I could reach it, the black light hit me. I fell down in pain as the blackness enveloped me. It felt as if my insides were being ripped out of me. I fell on my back and saw that the blue light was pulled from me towards the black portal. Hillary used some sort of magic to drain my life essence to power the portal, just like Sadly did earlier. I could barely hold up my head as I watched the portal grow brighter. A swirling wind, along with electrical sparks, formed from the confluence of energies that powered the portal. This maelstrom grew faster and louder as the portal strengthened. As the portal became more and more defined, dark, murky figures approached the opening from the other side. This must be the army of mayhem, whatever that was, preparing to enter, to invade and conquer our world. I could not let this happen, not on my watch, but I could barely lift my head now, and all I wanted to do was lie down and sleep. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that if I lay down, I may never wake up again. Hillary's magic was sucking the life out of me. I had to stop her before it was too late. Not only for me, but to stop whatever creatures were waiting for the portal to open up and hop on true. It took all the strength I had left to lift my head up and look around to find anything I could use as a weapon. When I heard the banquet door unlock and open, with great effort, I turned to see Kiyoki and Bev standing at the door. They looked at me, then at the portal with confused, then frightened expressions as they saw what was about to come true. The creatures had the 
head of snakes. Their tongues darted in and out to spell the room. Their beady eyes looked back and forth menacingly at us. They had human bodies. They were dressed in robes and held various weapons, spears, axes, and swords. I had to act. It was now or never. Hillary was busy concentrating on channeling my energy to the portal. She did not see Kiyoki and Bev at the door. It took all the strength I had to crawl over to them while the energy was still being pulled out of me. The roar of wind and electrical energy was deafening. I screamed to be heard above it. Pull the fire alarm! I yelled to Kiyoki and Bev at the top of my lungs. They gave me a blank stare. Wind and crackling electricity drowned out my words. I gestured for them to come closer. Bev kneeled down and I repeated to her, Pull the fire alarm! She nodded and got up, repeated what I said to Kyoki. She ran out to the lobby to find the fire alarm. Bev came back and knelt down to help me, but when she touched me, a spark of electricity hit her and she fell back as if she had touched a live wire. I looked at her in alarm. She lay unconscious next to me. I tried to help her, but I did not have enough strength left to reach her. I've never felt so helpless in my life as the wind and light show built to a crescendo. I looked at the portal, and several snake heads were about to cross over. I tried to get up, but my body wasn't having any of it. Instead, I lay there and wondered if these snakes were venomous or not. Will they kill me with poison or squeeze me to death? Just as the first snakehead was about to cross through the portal, the fire alarm went off with a piercing scream that repeated every few seconds. As I hoped, the fire sprinklers activated and water drenched everything and everyone in the room. As the water came into contact with the electrical energy, an electric arc sparked uncontrolled through the air, causing a chain reaction throughout the room. I rolled over to shield Bev with my body when a loud explosion rocked the room and hurled us back toward the banquet room door. Luckily, we were farther away from the portal, which bore the brunt of the explosion. The room was a smoking waste. The explosion created scorch marks in the walls and partially collapsed the ceiling above the portal. The portal itself was slowly shrinking and the snakeheads were nowhere to be seen. The explosion also propelled Hillary and Sadly to the opposite end of the room where they laid motionless. Sadly was still tied to his chair. I got up and went to bed. The water and explosion woke her from unconsciousness. Are you okay? I knew I should have blocked your number. You owe me big time for this. She replied while smiling weakly. I helped her up off the floor. Kyoke returned just as we were getting our bearings. The far alarm and spring clock continued to go off. What happened? You did good, brah. You saved our Okoles. Now, go tell them it was a false alarm before the firefighters get here. I don't think we want to explain to them what happened. Management sure ain't gonna like this. You know what? Tell them Hillary told you to pull the alarm. I don't think she will contest our account of what happened. You got it, Mr. Wong. I turned to Bev. 
Do you know what mayhem is? Egyptian snake god. Legend has it that mayhem protected the sun god Ra during the night while he slept. I looked at Bev incredulously. What the F and F? How do you know this stuff? I majored in Hawaiian language, but I minored in Egyptian language and history. What can I say? I love old dead things, which explains our past relationship. Ha ha. Man, I could have used you a few hours ago. A commotion from behind the still shrinking portal got our attention. Both Hillary and Sadly started moving. I motioned for Bev to stay put while I went over to secure them before anything else weird happened. Bev, of course, ignored me and followed behind me. Hillary was still groggy from the explosion. I tried to secure her hands with zip tie handcuffs, but she raised her hand and threw me back 10 feet with a gesture. I barely managed to maintain my footing without falling down. Bev backed up to stand next to me while Hillary got up. Damn it, I should have secured her when she was unconscious. Fool, I'm not done with you yet. I didn't suffer through years of waiting, years of being used by men who through no effort or intellect of their own, but by the mere luck of the gender they were born with, have lived lives of privilege and extravagance while I had to persevere and lift myself from sheer hard work, drive, and determination. Another weak, lowly man will not take this away from me. All right, I think we went from just plain insane to sheer batshit crazy right now. I don't know if it was getting my vital essence sucked out of me, being catfish, dead people speaking Egyptian, or invasion by snake-headed monsters, but I hit my limit of crazy and was not going to take it anymore. Be nice and stand down now or else... I'm going to have to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Bear stared at me like I was nuts. I gave her a fake look of disappointment. Sister, don't tell me you've never seen John Carpenter's Day Live, one of the most classic alien invasion movies of all time. I was bluffing to buy time, but Hillary was having none of that. She put out her hand to restart the magic trick again to steal my energy, channel it through Saturday, and send it to the portal. I braced myself, but then nothing happened. Instead, Saturday got up out of his chair. He had broken out of his restraints. He didn't look well, even for a dead person. His color faded to alabaster. I now know where the expression white as a ghost came from. He stumbled over to Hillary and put his hand on her head. She froze instantly and screamed an ear-piercing cry. <coughs> Sadly spoke some words in ancient Egyptian and he collapsed to the ground. He was dead again for the last time. Hillary continued screaming. <coughs> no, no, this was not the plan. She fell to the ground and started convulsing as if she were having an epileptic seizure. Her eyes were unfocused and spittle flew from her mouth. Then almost as soon as it started, she stopped moving. Her eyes glazed over. She got up robotically and stood up. 
Hillary had left the building and only mayhem remained. The portal was almost gone. It would disappear in another minute. The Hillary slash mayhem creature moved a step toward us. I put myself in front of Bev in case it meant to attack, but instead it spoke in ancient Egyptian. Bev, what the heck is this saying? Hang on, it's been a while since I last heard ancient Egyptian. I think he said something like, and again, this is a rough translation. Ra has guided your chariot today, but I am forever, and you will be dust. We will meet again when that day comes. Hillary slash Mayhem then jumped through the portal and was gone. The portal closed to nothingness. The fire alarm stopped blaring and the sprinklers stopped raining water down on us, leaving us alone with the remains of a failed invasion from another dimension that no one would ever know about. Epilogue. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, I wasn't expecting to encounter the gateway to hell when the day started. I was lucky to have come through this relatively unscathed. The banquet room was a disaster area just waiting to be declared. We got the hell out of there as quickly as possible before the authorities arrived. There was nothing we could do with Sadly's body, unfortunately. That'll be one of the many mysteries that will be on file with HPD. I swore Bev and Kyoki to secrecy, made them junior PIs, and promised them secret decoder rings if they kept this case quiet. No need to call undue attention to ourselves when we don't have all the answers. Hillary Wu will be reported missing in a few days when she doesn't show up to work, and I'm sure I'll be called in for questioning since she was my last client. I have a feeling this won't be the last time I've seen of Hillary or Mayhem. I just hope there's a mongoose god out there somewhere that I can pray for help when the snakeheads come for me again. But you know what's the worst thing about this case? I never even got paid since my client left for another dimension and I never asked for one deposit. So, I'm gonna keep this robe that I borrowed from room 217. Wonder how much I can get for it on Craigslist. But anyways, another case solved. I'm Harry Wong, PI. Aloha Malama Pono and Ahui Ho. You have been listening to Paranormal Investigations Hawaii from the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator, a fictional podcast. <laughs>